You know, when we come to Christmas time, very few of us really think probably about Job, about Christmas. It's an Old Testament character. Some say it's even the oldest book possibly ever in the Bible as we look at it and we don't think about it. But I think Job really longed for Christmas. He wanted Christmas desperately. He didn't know it was Christmas. He didn't understand the ideal of it, but there was a desperation in his heart. There was a longing to have someone who could understand what he felt and relate that to God in such a way that God would be able to relate in turn back to him. He, He wanted someone who understood God enough to lay a hand on God and understood man enough to lay a hand on man. And and he struggled with that. He longed for that. And in Job chapter 9 and verses we're going to look at this morning, just going to read a a couple of verses, 28 through 33 in Job chapter 9. And then I want to help us to understand what it is that God has done as he placed that desire in Job's heart. He's placed the same desire in every heart of every human being throughout history, throughout time. There has been a longing, there has been a desire to have a relationship with God in which God truly understands who we are and what we're dealing with in our lives, and yet at the same time, we're able to speak to Him and know that He cares and that He listens and that He's a part of all that we're going on. So I'm going to invite you once again to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word and in the book of Job, chapter 9, and beginning here in verse 28 and going through verse 33, Job is speaking and he says, I am afraid of all my pains. I know that you will not acquit me. I am accounted wicked. Why then should I toil in vain? If I should wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, you would plunge me into the pit. My own clothes would abhor me, for he is not a man as I am that I may answer him, that we may go to court together. There is no umpire between us who may lay his hand upon us both. And so he's pleading, he's asking for someone to be a mediator between him and God. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning... As we think about this and we look back into the Old Testament long before the Savior came, long before what we consider and celebrate as Christmas ever became a reality on the face of the earth, there was a longing because you had placed it in the heart of mankind. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that there's a longing in every heart for eternity. There's an emptiness in our lives that that wants to seek and to understand and find the meaning and the purpose of our life and all that's going on, a longing to know the reality of God and have a relationship with God. That's what Job was asking for, and that's what Christmas is all about, Father. It's, it's you coming and responding to that longing in our hearts. It's you coming and speaking to us in such a way that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are loved, that we have someone who does hear us, someone who does understand us, someone who can relate to us, and someone who can take the very deepest parts of our heart and carry them to our Father, and He understands and hears and listens to that. So, Father, this morning I pray that even as we see and understand that longing in Job's heart, we see the fulfillment of that longing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we come to understand the significance of Christmas beyond just gathering around a a tree and opening presents and, and sharing with our family and the things that are going on. Those are wonderful things. But there's so much more to why we have Christmas and the understanding that we need to have. And I pray that we would realize that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. But, you know, as, as Job looks, he is desperately seeking and being a part of that. The Bible tells us that God revealed himself to us. It wasn't some philosophical thought that he came and he made something available to mankind to think about and to look for, but rather in a reality, in form. The God of creation became the created. 
the God of eternity, placed himself in time as a man. This God who was infinite became a part of finite mankind as he came. God became a man. That's what the Bible says in John 1.14, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what Christmas is. The Word became flesh. God Himself became flesh that He might dwell among us, that we might have that opportunity. See, that's what it means. Job was longing for someone who understood God well enough to be able to touch God for us and understood man well enough. Well, that's what we have in Jesus Christ. We have one who understands God perfectly because He is God. And we have one who understands man perfectly because He is man. He is the God-man, and because of that, He can touch our hearts, relate to us in ways that we might never know how to do and to be a part of that as we look at it. C.S. Lewis once said that one has come into a stable that is greater than all the world itself. Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Creator, put Himself in that cradle in order that you and I might have life and have it everlastingly. He came to answer that longing of our hearts that we could know someone hears our heart, knows our heart, understands the heart that's going on and being a part of the things that are happening in our lives as we look and as we see that. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of you may remember uh, the old uh, drama, the play, uh, the story, The Miracle Worker, that uh, was about Helen Keller. And, and in the story, we, you find, you'll remember that Ann Sullivan was brought into the household in order that she might somehow help reach Helen. She was stubborn. She couldn't hear. She couldn't see. She was it just nothing was going on. I mean, she was not a happy person, and nobody in the family was happy either because nobody could get along with her. And they brought Ann and Sullivan into the family uh, to help try somehow to reach her, and she desperately tried. She did everything she knew how to reach Helen, and she couldn't do it. No matter what she did, she rebe- uh, Helen refused to listen, to obey, to, to take into what she was trying to do. But in one very dramatic scene, if you can recall it with me for a moment, there is a time in which she's trying, Anne is trying and trying again to reach Helen and try to get her to understand something, and they're outside, and she's at a water pump. She pumps the water, and she thrusts Helen's hand under the water, and then she spells water in her hand with her fingers, and she yanks away as always, and she does it again, and she yanks away as always, and then she does it again, and then suddenly... A light comes on in Helen's head. And she takes the water and she fills it. And, and, she, write, and she fingers with her signs on her aunt's face the letters W-A-T-E-R. Water. And Anne's overwhelmed. She's so, it's amazing. And she just puts her hand on her face, puts Helen's hand on Anne's face. And she just begins, yes, 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 water. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. And as, as she does, she just, she, and Helen becomes so excited about it, she finally figured out what was going on. Doing. The, so, the scene shows her grabbing a hold of, of Anne and just going all over the place, everywhere she could go, stopping and spelling out this word and spelling out this word and spelling out this word because suddenly her whole world had been opened up. Suddenly that which she couldn't see, that which she couldn't know, that which she couldn't understand was made clear to her. It opened up a whole new realm. And you know the rest of the story as she goes on and grows and being a part. But that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says all through the Bible, beginning in Genesis when, when man sinned and separated himself from God and God made a promise that he would bring a Savior. He made a promise that he would provide a means by which man could be rightly restored to God again and have a relationship with him. And all through the Old Testament, he sought to do that. That was Job's longing. Could there not be someone 
that could speak on our behalf, someone who could help us stand in the presence of God and, and God would hear our hearts and know what we're about and we could hear and understand something about God. That was the longing that Job was talking about. And that's what Jesus did. All through the Old Testament, we have prophet after prophet after prophet. We have all kinds of discipline. We have them taken into captivity. We have everything going on. God trying to reach his people, trying to help them to understand who he is, trying to help them to get a hold that he is the God who loves them. He is the covenant God. He is the God who made a promise to them that he plans to fulfill and being a part of it and all that is going on and he wants to make that clear. Can you imagine having that gift in his hand and he knew exactly when it was going to come when he would send Christ for the book of Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 4 says, in the fullness of time, Christ came. That means at the very exact moment that would be right, God sent his son into the world that he might be that savior, that he might be that mediator, that he might be that clarification, that he might be that revelation that we could finally see and understand. It took that water to help Helen come to know and finally get a hold of the language that was there. And that's what the scripture tells us, that we come by the same living water that has come, that we have a revelation, that we, we find life in the book of Revelation. At the very end of the book, the last invitation that is given in all of the Bible says, come. All ye who are thirsty, come and take of the water of life freely. See, it's a life that we have, and it's a life that changes us. When we think about the cradle, when we think about Christ, when we think about Christmas, we need to understand that it's not just the scenes that we put up. It's not just the pretty decorations and all the things that we go on, but it's the heart of a loving God who so desperately wants to reach us, even as desperately as we want him to reach us, that he put himself in flesh. And came and was born in the manger. He, he disrobed himself of the majesty of his glory. And put on swaddling clothes. And then later he would be wrapped in the claws of death. And put in a tomb. For us. That we might know that he knows us. That we might know that he understands us. See, the Bible says that we have this high priest who understands us in everything that we feel because he's come to where we are and he's lived in the way that we've lived and he's suffered in the way that we've suffered and he's felt what you and I have felt. He understands loss. He understands loneliness. He understands rejection. He understands trying to help people see and understand the truth and not being able to get across to them the message that he wants them to know and understand and, and to know his love for them. He wants us to know that we are loved more than we can ever begin to imagine. And that's why he came. And, and that's what Job was looking for. God, if someone could just stand instead for me, someone who could, could know how I feel, who, who could understand the perplexities of my life, who could take hold of the pains that I'm suffering, who, and all the things that are going on. If someone could just know my mind and my heart and be able to speak to you and, and help you to know what I'm feeling and thinking, and then they would have the same ability to take your mind and your heart and, and understand your response to my need and your response to what's going on in my life and make it clear to me so that I could know what God is about. Well, that would be such a... a great thing in life to be and God said I know and here I am and he came himself he didn't send an angel although angels announced it's coming he didn't send someone else to come but God himself came in answer to the plea of Job's heart the plea of our hearts the plea of mankind's hearts throughout the world that there would be someone who knows me 
knows what I feel, knows what I think, knows what I need, and understands that when I fall short and fail, how that feels and, and how disappointed I am and, and how I want to make that right before God and I, I want to live rightly before God, but I, I keep falling short. That was the concern that you'll remember in Romans 7 that Paul talked about when he said, that which I want, that I know is right, I want to do, I don't seem to find myself able to do and those things that I shouldn't do, I find myself still doing them. Oh, woe is me, who will help me? But he ends it with the same, question, the same answer that we got in Christmas, thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory? In Christ Jesus. See, Christ is that one who has come to us to dwell here. And that's what we celebrate during this season of Christmas is that we have one who has come to us who, to be like us, to understand us, to feel what we feel, and to be able to take that because he is God and relate that to, a, to the Father so that we may know and understand that we are heard and that we are understood and that God feels with us. And loves us anyway. And see how that goes in our life. See, the Bible tells us that even as Jesus was there, there there's an old comic strip, character, uh, strip uh, that Johnny Hart did before he died called B.C. Many of you probably remember being able to read that often. It was always great messages in it that he had. And there was one particular one during the Christmas scene you may remember that showed that it began with a scene of, the, of a cradle, and, but there was a shadow over the cradle. And as you go through the different strips of different scenes that are there, it comes out to where it's a cross that's overshadowing the cradle. Because you see, the cradle always leads to the cross or there's no salvation. The cradle always leads to the cross or there's no genuine understanding of our hearts, no, no ability for man to be right with God and, and God to be able to accept us and, and because we're not worthy of that and we have no right to be with him. But because of that cross that comes, we have that ability in doing that. And so he put on those claws. But the Bible tells us there's coming a day when Jesus Christ once again will put on the claws of majesty and he will come to this earth one more time. And he will call his people home. And he'll reign as king of kings and lord of lords. And every knee will bow before him. We're celebrating Advent. And you and I know that Advent means preparation. It means the anticipation. It means preparation for the coming of the Christ. And, and that's what we go through as we build up to that moment of Christmas and, and the celebration that God did come to us. But I want you to understand that we are in Advent all of the time looking toward the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a three or four week period, but from the moment that Jesus Christ went back to heaven, from the moment he ascended to his Father, we entered into a time of Advent in which we were anticipating, which we were looking forward to, which we are preparing every day that we live, seeking and living in such a manner as to welcome our King back to this earth to take his proper place in reigning the world and the universe and all that's there. We're welcoming his return when all his children will be brought home, when we, the bride, will stand before him and that great heavenly banquet and be prepared always to be with him without separation. That's where we are. We're living in that sense of second advent when we're looking forward to, we're anticipating, we're longing for that which is yet to come. And we know it is true. We know it will happen because the promises of God that went through Genesis all the way through Malachi, fulfilled in the moment of Matthew when Jesus Christ is born upon this earth, given the name of Jesus because he will save his people from his sin, from their sin, we now wait for the coming again of our King, of our Lord and Savior. And we wait with not wishful thinking, 
but with a certainty, with a knowledge that as God promised that he would come in the beginning that we might have salvation, he has promised again that he will come to take his church home with him and all who know him to be dwell with him forever and forever in a place that he's prepared for us. See, Christmas has so many aspects to it that we need to understand and look for. It's that longing, that wishing that we had a God that knew us and understood us and being a part of it. It's the response of God to that longing in our heart saying, I hear that, I know that, and I give you the answer to that. And he comes himself and puts on flesh and dwells among us. And he walks among us and helps us to understand what it is that God intended us to be before we sinned. We see the example of the kind of life that we could have lived had we not had sin in our life, we also experience the reality that God loves us in spite of our sin and takes our sin upon himself for God made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might be made in the righteousness of God. That's Christmas. Jesus Christ being born, living out his life without sin, going to a cross that he might die and pay the penalty of our sin, being buried in a tomb, rising from the dead, ascending to the Father, and one day Christmas will be fulfilled when he comes again. For most of us, you see, on December the 24th, 26th, we put Christmas up. It's over. We put our things we've decorated with back in their boxes. We throw out the trash of all the gifts that we've had, the leftovers that we're tired of having. We get rid of it all. Christmas is over. But God says Christmas hasn't finished yet. Because I'm coming again. I'm coming again. And when I come, then Christmas will be over. Until then, you and I live in the anticipation, in the celebration, in the realization that we have a God who has met the needs of our heart because he came to be one of us. We have a God who loves us and has wrapped himself up in the greatest gift that's ever been given to man in all of eternity and presented himself to us as a free gift. For by grace we are saved, not of works. It's a gift. And we take that gift and we receive that gift and it changes our hearts and it changes our lives and the Holy Spirit of the living God comes to dwell within us and in that indwelling of God in our lives we find ourselves able to know God and God to know us, able to speak with God and God to speak with us. We have communion with the Father and we no longer have to long, oh, if there was just someone who could stand in my stead, if there was just someone who knew what I felt, if there was someone who could help me communicate with God, the answer is there is. There he is. His name is Christ. And he came and he dwelt and he lived and he died and he rose. And now he has placed himself in us in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can speak with our Father anytime we want to. And he always hears, always listens. Now he doesn't always do everything I want him to do, but he always hears and he's always there to listen. And he knows exactly what I feel because he was here. And he went through what I go through. And he dealt with what I deal with. And he understands me. And so he can take me to the Father. Say, Father, I know this one. And I know this pain. And I know this longing. And you have answered that in me. And now I carry your love and your forgiveness and your hope and your eternity back to these, your children. That's the mediator that we needed. That's the one. That's Christmas. That's what we're doing during these weeks is celebrating that reality that God did come 
that God did fulfill the longing of man's hearts and that God still is ready to fulfill every empty heart that may still be out there, still looking. Because without Christ, every person that doesn't know him as personal Savior is still in that place that Job was, wishing there was a Christmas, even though they may not call it Christmas. They may not know it's Christmas that they're looking for. But the depths of their heart is that they would be able to know that there is a Christmas. There is a Savior. There is hope. There is life. Because God so loved the world. Because God so loved each and every one of you. Because God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. That if any of us would believe that and accept that as a reality, that we wouldn't perish, nor would we live our life perishing, but rather we would live our life in the abundance of life into eternal life because of Christmas. So we celebrate Christmas with the reality that we have a Savior who has come to meet the needs of our heart, the longings of our heart, even when we can't put them into words. The Scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit, when we don't know how to pray, when we don't know how to put our words to pray, when we just don't know what to say, that the Holy Spirit takes those words, those groanings, those moanings, those achings of our heart, and he carries those to the Father. And the Father understands and knows. That's what Christmas is. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about Christmas and we understand all the significance of it, so easy in our lives to get caught up in it with all the things that go on and the busyness of life. And, and this year, Father, even maybe uh, more difficult than maybe any of us can ever remember because of COVID and all the different things that are going on in our world, the turmoil in our own nation and the, the illnesses, the people dying by the hundreds in our nation and across the world. It's hard to think about Christmas as being anything to celebrate and anything real. And yet it's that very reason that you came. It's that very reality that you are part of these moments. And when we find ourselves, Father, separated and lonely, when we have to be isolated, when we see so many things going on that take away what the world has made Christmas to mean, may we who know you understand that COVID can't touch Christmas. It can't touch all the things that are going on in this relationship that we have with you. And Father, I pray that in the midst of all the struggles and the, the things that will be there, Christmas will not be what we think of Christmas, at least from a worldly view, this year. There will be a lot of people that can't be together that are normally together. It's a hard time of year anyway because there's so much things that go on and families that have suffered loss and other things, holidays are so hard. And this one just makes it a little bit more difficult with all the turmoil, with all the disease and death around us. But you entered into that death and you defeated that death. And you give us the everlasting promise that the cradle leads to a cross, but the cross leads to a resurrection and a returning king and Lord. And we have that promise that Christmas isn't over. It's not just a moment. It's not just a day. But it's a lifetime 
of knowing that we have a God who loves us and knows us and responds and hears our heart. Father, I pray we know that and that you would just help that become a part of our minds and our hearts over these next days and the difficulties and the struggles and all the things that are going on. Father, I just pray that you would touch that place in our heart that makes us wake up and realize that circumstances cannot dictate the wonder of Christmas. Circumstances cannot defeat the victory of Christmas and give us our hope once again. Lift up our spirits once again and let us walk in the awareness that we live Christmas all the time because we live within the context of a living Savior and a returning King. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.